And welcome back to another edition of the Profit Roadmap. I'm Barry Duplessis alongside Cody Owen. As always, we really appreciate you uh, joining us again for another special, a very special edition of the Profit Roadmap. We have Mr. Mike Michalowicz here uh, joining us today, and we're so excited to have Mike uh, join us for a very special interview. Uh, Mike's got a, and it got his newest and latest book uh, out on August 21st, which will be released, and we will have the link to the pre-sales in the show notes. And uh, so you definitely want to get yourself a copy of this. It's called Clockwork, Design Your Business to Run Itself. Cody and I had the privilege of taking a look at some uh, some insight to that, and we found some really cool stuff. And Mike, you and I were talking about this actually just a few moments ago uh, before the show. I literally just got off a phone call where a guy's telling me that he is running a million dollar business. And if he doesn't show mm. up to work tomorrow, he's out of business. I mean, how scary is that as a, if that's his reality? And, and, and what can some of the systems that you talk about or the system in Clockwork that you talk about help a guy like uh, the guy I just talked to? Yeah. So sadly, that's so common. And I dare say a lot of people listening in right now, I myself have been there, that the business is dependent on us. You know, we've been told that, uh, and it's popular for saying that our, our business is our child. It's a parent-child relationship. And I want to take it one step further because what happens with a child, of course, is as it gets its own legs and its own independence, it's no longer dependent on the parent. But the reality for the vast majority of businesses is not this parent-child relationship. It's conjoined twins. You know, we <laughs> we share common organs. Our heart is definitely shared. Um, we, we run on the same legs. Everything's shared. And if we remove ourselves from the business uh, abruptly and immediately, it will kill both of us. So that's the reality for most people. The process of removing ourselves from the business and giving the business its own heart, if you will, to, to run on its own, to, to be that it's kind of a negative association, but an ATM machine where it's kind of making money on automatic. Um, I don't think it's exactly that terminology, but if we want to achieve that, it's a much more of a surgical process. We have to separate the critical organs. We need to slowly peel ourselves out one operation at a time. And over time, we can remove ourselves and the business can thrive very healthily and we can too. The beautiful thing is you always share the soul, right? I mean, your soul is in that business. But if you remove yourself from the business, and it's a throttle, it's not an overnight switch, you got to throttle your way out. If you do, you can then uh, live the life of, of freedom. And what I mean by this is you can do what you want when you want in your personal life, but also in the business. Like I think business owners don't aspire to vacate their business. Some do. But I think we want to be able to do the work that gives us the most joy while the rest of the business runs on automatic. And that's the process we need to take. A slow, very surgical separation of the owner owner's dependency on the business and the business's uh, dependency on the owner, slowly kind of unwind that while putting in the foundation of other resources and people supporting the automatic operations. And ultimately, then you're free of the business. And now the business is truly scalable. When you're when the business is no longer dependent on you, that's a business that can scale into perpetuity. That's a business that an acquirer wants to buy because they're not buying one person that's the linchpin. They're buying a turnkey business. Mike, uh, I want to talk about the first objection, and you addressed this really early in the book, uh, the idea of the entrepreneur's ego being really centered around, I have to pull 14, 15, 16-hour days 
because that means that I'm working hard and like, I just need to work harder and that's how my business is going to succeed. Can you kind of talk a little bit about that objection? Yeah. And when I use terms like it's the entrepreneur's, uh, you know, ego, I guess in the way, really it's a self-reflection. My own ego has been stuck in this and it's true. It's not just me. Many people get stuck in this. I had a conversation with an old friend of mine yesterday, literally, and uh, we were catching up on old times and we talked about this crazy game we used to play. I told him, I said, you know, I had a crazy night last night. I worked my butt off. I barely got five hours of sleep. And he looked at me and said, I only got four, man. And literally, we're competing on the lack of sleep to beat our egos, right? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's embarrassing. But I got pride in that. I, I call it the workaholic badge of shame. Now, I used to pride myself on my, what I thought was work ethic, but workaholism, just grinding it out. How, you know, how much sacrifice am I making? Not seeing my children grow up, um, not spending time with my my family, just you know, showing up at six a.m. and uh, leaving at at two a.m. the next morning. Like I had pride in that, and uh, then I had this kind of epiphany. I was working, uh, and I noticed that for the fifth consecutive day, I actually had not seen the sunlight. I'd arrived before the sun rose, and uh, I left well after the sun had set. And I said, "This is." This is this is no life. I now believe that this pride in workaholism is really an addiction to being non-productive. That it's this, you know, I'll do it. I'll do it tonight. I'll do it sometime today. I'll stretch it out. Like there's this belief that I can just keep on stretching things out and stretching things out, and I don't need to seek the solution, which is efficiency. I just need to grind through it. And you know, there's a lot of terminology right now. Like, what's your grind? What's your hustle? And I get it, but I also think that's working against us because entrepreneur after entrepreneur thinks it's all about more and more effort. The solution to a growing business is not more work. It's organizational efficiency. It's moving and becoming to a strategist, if you will, for your business where you're putting the right resources. Maybe you're a solopreneur, so it's not other people. Maybe it's your vendors or contractors. It's putting the right uh, automation in place strategically and then observing your business from almost afar, where you're not participating in driving the results, you're participating in moving around the pieces that drive the results. That's where we need to move to. And you talk about pieces and resources, Mike, and that's something that you know always catches my attention. Again, I, I'm I'm in sales here at Service Autopilot, yeah. and I talk to hundreds at this point, thousands of business owners all the time. And a lot of feedback that I've get I get from even some of our members who have implemented the system or implemented a system of some kind. The one thing that they have problem with, even if they've, they've, they've gone through it all, they've taken your advice and they've got together some a great group of resources, a great group of employees that they trust and they've got systems that are working to where they can kind of take a step back. They still have so much trouble with that fourth D that you talk about. Actually, it's the third D in your four Ds, yeah. which is delegating. Why is it so hard why is it so hard to finally let those, those, even those last things? Yeah. So ego is going to kick in here again, but also there's confusion. So let me explain what the four D's are and then show you where the entrepreneurial confusion happens. So I believe there's four stages of a business's growth, but also the really the individuals within the business, the owner and ultimately the employees. And they go through these different D phases. The first phase is doing. We must be doing work that we deliver to our customers. Without us doing the work, a customer doesn't drive a benefit and therefore, of course, will never pay us. But as an entrepreneur, we need to elevate up to the next level, which is actually called deciding. Deciding is where 
Other people are now doing the work, but you are making decisions for them. Now, the confusion already happens here. Many entrepreneurs think they're delegating work when they're not delegating work, they're deciding about the work. Here's the difference. I hire an employee and I tell them, uh, you know, respond to this customer and tell them so-and-so. I'm giving them the specific direction. I'm task-rabbiting them. And they go do it. And inevitably, that employee comes back and says, oh, I had a little confusion. Um, the email wasn't right. What's Is there an alternative email? And they have a question. Initially, this is actually uh, a nice thing because we're looking at our employees. They're looking to learn. They want to do their best job. I appreciate an employee that's seeking to get questions answered. And that may last a few months or a few weeks. But at a certain point, we're like, geez, can't this person learn anything? Are they a total idiot? I mean, just figure it out. And we start getting frustrated that the employee is not making decisions on their own. In fact, I've seen so many businesses revert back to being a solopreneur because they're like, well, you know what? These employees are idiots. I I should just do myself. I can do a faster, better job. And they revert back to it. And then they feel overwhelmed again. And they start hiring people who end up being idiots. And they revert back to doing themselves. And they stay stuck between these points. And sadly, about 95% or more of businesses in the US are stuck between one of these two points. Well, we have to move on to what's called delegating. And delegating, the true definition of it, is where we're assigning outcomes. We don't tell our employee the task to do. We tell them the result that we're expecting. And this is significantly different because now they're going to blaze their own path. Of course, you give them best practices. Of course, you give them your SOPs, which I actually argued no longer document them in paper, but you can actually video record them. But you give them the standard best practices and you tell them, go about this, but here's the result we're looking to achieve. When they come back with questions, now the answer is, what's your decision? No longer are we giving them our decision. And this frees us up to focus on our zone of genius. The highest level, the final D, is designing. And designing is where we are now strategically moving the pieces. The only way you're going to get to designing is if you delegate work. Again, a delegation is assigning the outcome. One final component about this. The problem that most entrepreneurs have and and the mistake they make around delegation is they revert back to deciding. Because what happens is the employee comes up and says, I don't know how to do this. And the employee says, well, uh, let me tell you the answer. And they give them the answer. Which by the way, from the entrepreneur's perspective is fast and easy. From the employee's perspective, it's the best best thing to do because if the boss tells me what to do and it's wrong, I ain't going to get in trouble. So it's a natural tendency for both parties to want to revert back to the deciding phase. But there's one more stumbling block that's the greatest of all, and it's when the business owner sees a mistake, the entrepreneur sees a mistake in the employee in when they delegated work, and then reprimands the employee. Listen, we wanted to you know have such and such outcome. You didn't achieve it. Here's what you did wrong. You, you do that again. You know, that's a, I may terminate you. Like We may not say those words, but we can get to that extreme. So we place fear into our employees. Therefore, reverting back to deciding where the owner starts making all the decisions again. This is the key to navigating through the delegation phase. Regardless of the decision's outcome that the employee makes, the fact they made a decision is the key. You must reward all decisions, including the bad ones. That's the key. When a decision is made by an employee, even if it does not result in the outcome you want, you have to say, you know what? You made a great leadership decision good job of making a decision. Yeah, maybe it's not the outcome we want. You're going to fix the next go around. I'm not concerned about that. I'm just proud of you for making that decision. Go, go, go. And by doing that, now you're empowering true delegation and you as the owner can move on to designing. What does a a day look like for an entrepreneur who has moved to uh, living in that designing phase? Yeah, so designing 
uh, is is a lot of strategic thought. You guys have had those moments. Everyone listening has had those moments where you're in the shower and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, that's the key. I need to do this. I got to try that out. That's designing. Designing is forward-looking thought that can improve your business. Now, how does it happen? Sometimes it happens just by being in the shower, take a longer shower. Other times it's by studying your industry, going to events, conferences. Other times it's going outside your industry to see what you can take in. One of my favorite stories is the founder of, um, uh, oh my gosh, Macaroni Grill. Uh, I want to say Ray uh, Raymond, I can't remember his last name at the moment. The funny thing is I actually met him years back and he shared a story where he was doing a lot of design work. He wanted Macaroni Grill to be a breakthrough restaurant chain. And so what he did is he went to Italy. He was in Italy. He's uh, going to all these small restaurants and he notices a couple trends. In Italy, they serve wine openly, which means they actually put a, uh, a pitcher or a decanter on the table and you serve your own wine. At the end of the dinner, they ask you, how many glasses did you have? And they depend on the honesty and integrity of the customer to bill accordingly. Uh, they have live live singers at the events and uh, at the dinners, and they even have fresh cut flowers. And those three principles he discovered by getting outside of his business and then came back and Macaroni Grill, at least in the US, was one of the first chain restaurants ever to have fresh cut flowers, live singers, but most importantly, decanters on the table where the customer simply said, here's how many drinks I had. It was a game changer. The company exploded and subsequently was acquired. And no surprise, the acquirer cut back on all these things that made them so wildly successful. And Macaroni Grill now is kind of carte blanche and kind of struggling. The key is the design work is getting outside your business, bringing in concepts. It's getting your mind outside your business. This work is so important, by the way. They have literally dedicated a statue to this process. It's called The Thinker. (laughs) There's a very very famous piece (laughs) of artwork with this naked guy with his chin on his fist. Freshly out of the shower. Freshly out of the shower, yeah. So you don't have to be naked. Like We can skip the naked part. But you got to spend time thinking. And the other thing about design work is I'm not saying you're 100% design. If that's what you desire, that's fine. But doing is still a good thing. You can go back in the business and do certain things. Um, Think about like uh, Amazon. Jeff Bezos doesn't pack uh, your shipment that comes to your home. There's no way. He's not coding the software. He's doing a lot of strategic thinking. But he he does work too. When the new Alexa is being developed, I'm sure he's testing it out. He's doing some work. I'm sure when a strategic negotiation is happening, he's the guy who's at the front of the table. So he's still doing work, but the majority is visionary work, what's the future look like, and most importantly, strategic work. What is the executable stuff we need to do to get that vision? So if I understand correctly, a large part of this, it isn't like you need to live in the design phase and never do anything else. It's that you get to pick and choose what you're doing. You're not running from one crisis, one fire to another and beating it out and being like run by your business. Right. That's the key. You know, the design phase, it goes back to the day we started our business. The day we started our business, I suspect most people envisioned something specific. Oh my gosh, like I can see myself on the beach as my business is humming along while I'm, you know, cheering along my own business. Other people may say, you know, I've always wanted to be doing uh, the craftsmanship work because maybe they're in a very creative business. Um, you know, you know, we had a specific vision. Then the reality kicks in of us doing everything and the overwhelm. It's the stuff that we don't like is what drains us. So when you're in the design phase, 
you are making that vision you originally had a reality. Most of that time is spent on the thought of the business. Most of it that time, or a lot of time is spent on the vision. That's what you did in the very beginning. You had this clear vision. It's so fascinating. When we start a business, it's all vision, right? It's like, oh, one day we'll have this and we have these always customers. And very quickly, uh, it starts becoming a reality. It's a seedling, meaning it's not, you know, we picture a billion dollar business. It's not like the next day you have a billion dollars, but you may be generating 100,000 this year or 200 or 300,000. You've taken a serious, significant step toward it. But also very quickly, we start getting caught up in the grind. So that $200,000 in revenue now becomes our permanent reality because that's what we're doing. We need to get back to that vision of where we had the big thinking and the strategic thought and start bringing in other resources, other people to do the work. That's the key. And to free ourselves up to do the work that we want within our business. My, my final thought around this is I used to think that success was defined by certain size. Like, okay, Amazon is clearly a successful business. They've done a billion dollars in revenue. Google's a successful business. They've done a billion. Okay, so my number is a billion. I'll consider myself successful when I do a billion. But now as I was writing clockwork and reinvestigated my own entrepreneurial endeavors, I believe the right size business can find us. You know, I don't think everyone is designed, so to speak, to, to run a billion dollar business or would find happiness in that. You know, we may say, you know, six employees, 10 employees, this is what I like and, and define our lifestyle. So part of the des design is saying, what serves me? What gives me the most fulfillment? And investigating that we move as we move along and then adjusting the business, tweaking the business to support that vision. So I think what you're saying, Mike, is, and and this is something that we went across quite a bit as well, is that a, you know, a lot of problems that uh, entrepreneurs have with their business is the the lack of reflection. You know, and what I mean by that is taking the time to really see where they yeah. struggle, what's draining them, what they can delegate. If they just took a little bit of time to see where they could focus a little bit more of their energy and where they get their energy from, where they do their most positive work, what's, you know, if they kind of really did a lot more reflection on themselves, they could ultimately achieve a lot more. Is, am, am I kind of getting that a little bit? Oh, nailed it. You know, the, the urgent is so compelling. So every time I come into the office, you, no surprise, uh, one of my colleagues, we, we have a small office here, there's 10 of us, a person will come up and say, hey, Mike, quick question for you. And now I am being controlled by their questions and going down that path. The second I check email, the first email that's an emergency or a need, that's become now the definition for my day. So my day is constantly responding to the urgent. Well, I found a trick. I, I discovered it for, through a few people. Uh, there's this entrepreneur, her name is Robin Robbins. Uh, interesting name. She runs a company called the Technology Marketing Toolkit. Very successful, uh, 10 plus million dollar company. I met another guy. His name is Mike Aguilera. He runs a home services company called Gold Mail Services, a $25 million plus business. And I asked these owners, I'm like, you, you've achieved such successful revenue for small businesses. How did you do it? And what was fascinating, the only parallel I found for both of them was they did not physically go to the office. I remember Mike Aguilera declaring one day, he said, I was in the office every day and I realized all I was doing was rushing to the urgent and never working on the important, the vision, the strategic planning, moving the right people into the right positions to do the right things in the right portions. And he said, what I just did was I, I closed my office. I, I literally uh, moved on out. And he goes, I moved down to another building one block away, physically moved. So he's still leaving his house, but now he's going to this empty office. And what happened? Well, none of those daily distractions came up. Those people had to find answers within themselves or within their colleagues, what he wanted. But he also now had the time to work on the business. 
Robin Robbins, the exact same thing. Um, I subsequently took a tour of her home office uh, and she has this wonderful office where she produces videos because she does a lot of video content and does her strategic thinking. It overlooks a beautiful landscaped uh, and wooded area and she just sits there and ponders. And by doing that, um, the business again becomes reliant on itself because she can't be the go-to person. And her natural instinct, by the way, of course, just like most of us, is to answer people's questions. Well, she can't physically do it anymore and has to think strategically about her business. The amazing part too is she, Mike, and every entrepreneur that does this is now watching the business from afar. So when they make a strategic move or suggestion, they can watch how the business responds. So you're you're kind of seeing the forest from the trees doing this approach. And uh, sure enough, these are the businesses that are running like clockwork. Mike, what I'd like to do uh, as we start to wind down here is connect clockwork to uh, one of your previous books that I have read and like changed my perspective on business. And I try to get any of our members or listeners who uh, haven't read it to read it. Uh, Profit First, we literally have a box of them in our office that we hand out awesome. to people. Thank you, guys. Uh, so if you could kind of connect some of the ideas for people who have read Profit First, in the in the introduction to Clockwork, you kind of lay out this connection between the two processes. Yes. So if you'll kind of lay that out so people will see how it's an extension of what you've already done. Yeah. So one thing that, that actually I didn't share in the book, but but now has become the ultimate kind of guidance for me, I'm, I'm researching this extensively, is... I started studying Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and I still don't know it intimately, but I understand the five platforms or stages of human biological needs. The, the, the base, of course, being physiological needs, uh, food, water, uh, substance. And then above that is the need for shelter, and above that is the need for belonging and love. And we can go all the way up to self-actualization. Well, the I believe now businesses have the exact same kind of hierarchy of needs. Uh, maybe we'll call it the McAllowitz hierarchy of needs, but it's based on Maslow. And I think the foundation is sales. If a business does not have inbound revenue, sales revenue, that is the oxygen for a business. Like if you aren't breathing in sales, nothing else matters. You will suffocate the business immediately. So sales is the priority. The next level up in the business's needs are profit. And I consider that the nutrition for a business. I mean by this is uh, it's the substance, it's the sustainability. Um, just like if if you are starving to death, you need food to sustain. That's what profit is. Sadly, most businesses, when it's starving, meaning they have a cash flow crunch, they're not profitable, they actually gasp for more air, the oxygen, which is sales. So they actually try to sell their way out of an unprofitable business and are exhausted because it doesn't bring in more profit. And they're gasping for air when they, really all they need is food. That's the next level up. But the level beyond profit, once a business has repeatable, sustainable sales, is consistently and permanently profitable, now the next thing we need for a business is the freedom of time, where the owner is not the linchpin anymore. The business has this independence. And now we, as the owner, can spend our time doing what we want, when we want, in our life and in our business. So that's how they link. God has achieved profitability for us to have the next conversation around freeing up your time. But also I found another parallel with Profit First is as I was teaching it over the years now, I find that many entrepreneurs struggle with Profit First because it's too abrupt of a change. They've established behavior and habit of how they drive their business forward. Profit First is a new system to them. And so they try out the entire system and it becomes overwhelming. Well, what I've taught people now is just do what I call the 1% rule. 
set up just a profit account and take 1% of your revenue and allocate it to profit first, hence the title of the book, Profit First. And if you allocate that 1%, sure enough, you'll start seeing that you can be profitable before you spend a single dime. And then maybe that 1% will become two and three and you'll start to grow it. Well, with clockwork, the goal is to actually physically remove you from the business, getting out of the office, so to speak. I believe the ultimate test of this is a four-week vacation, leaving the business for four weeks, total abandonment of your connection, at least to the business, while the business has to run on its own. It will reveal the health of your business for sure. But if you start off tomorrow, if everyone listening to this says, you know, tomorrow I'm heading out for four weeks, good luck business, it will crush many businesses. That's a dumb move. But we can do our first 1%. So the first 1% is to allocate a small portion of time away from the business to test it out, to allocate a small part of our time to designing. I'm not saying starting today, just work on the design and strategic flow of your business business all the time. I am suggesting you can allocate 1% of your time, maybe a half hour a week or an hour a week. Maybe on a two Monday, the first hour is spent not at home and not at your office. You're in the car for an hour sitting outside in the parking lot, just working on the strategic plan with no connection to the business, and then walk in. That will serve you far better than anything else. And I think you'll start getting confidence that the design time is extraordinarily powerful and that 1% will expand to two and three and so forth as you go more and more into the design phase of your business. Dude, that is awesome. Really good, really good, like actionable baby step that listeners could go act on tomorrow morning. So you're listening to this now and Bear, Mike, and I would like to challenge you to put this 1% into practice in the morning. And then the book will be out August 21st. So you have, you know, a little bit of time here to start implementing, just like giving yourself some thinking time. And then you can get the book and uh, maybe include the reading of the book in your thinking time to kind of inform your mind. Uh, And then move forward. So the book's out August 21st. Everywhere. You can go to your local Barnes and Nobles. You can go to Amazon. Any independent bookstore, I think airports too. Um, But Amazon, by the way, has the best price, just a heads up. Yeah, so we'll have a link to where you can pre-order the book. uh, And if you have a Kindle or something, it will be on your Kindle the morning that it's released. Or if you order a hard copy, Amazon gets it on your door uh, step the day it's released. (laughs) Did you just call Mike McCallowitz dude a moment ago? You did. I I love it. (laughs) When you say dude, it means you're jacked. I love it. It's one of those weird one-sided things where I've I've read Profit First more than once, and so I feel like I know Mike. You're on, you're on that level. Well, uh, Mike, was, here's, uh, here's to you and I getting on that level. Until then, I'll just call you sir. <laughs> oh, please, oh, that well, actually, I just threw up my mouth a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I prefer dude. And just a quick little funny story about this. I was interviewing a gentleman from England, and I called him a bro. I'm like, that is it, bro. And the whole interview went, and he goes, did you just call me bro, mate? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's awesome. And then for the rest of the show, I was calling him my bro. So there we go. Well, uh, listeners, check out the show notes. I'm also going to put together a graphic of the uh, Michalowicz hierarchy of business needs uh, <laughs> that you can print out and put in your office. Keep in mind. Uh, yeah. Until next week, we will. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Bear. thanks I, for signing off for you, me. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> he's he's still he's still uh, starstruck by right, uh, right. by you, Mike. It's okay. Again, we really appreciate uh, Mike McAllister's time. Check out Clockwork, released on August uh, 21st. Design your business to run itself. Mike McAllister, really appreciate all your valuable time. It's uh, It's been sensational. Check out the four Ds, the seven steps. A lot of great work. Check out our show notes. But do yourself a favor. Buy the book. It's just going to make yourself a lot better, and it's going to make your business run better. And uh, Mike, again, we appreciate your time. As always, he's Cody Owen. I'm Bear Duplissy, and we'll see you next time.